All right, Glenn, without further ado. Thank you. I think we can just stop right there. Unless you're blind and deaf and don't have an interpreter, you don't know what's happening this morning. That whole weekend, as you heard Gary's emotion, it's like, you just don't understand. <laughs> I wonder if you've had that moment where God cries out to you or God touches your life and you're like, Shush, you just don't understand. I pray that this morning, if you hear nothing else, that you hear one thing, is that God loves you, God loves you, and he has a plan for your life. A detailed plan, believe it or not. And some of these plans will ask you to take a step of faith. Will you trust God with? I know this family has. I'm sure that you would have many a story if you were to share in your life groups around your family table the stuff that you're trusting God for. We're in the book of Acts, as you, if you've been at Cornerstone for a while, you would know. And um, we've been spending some time in Acts chapter 20. In fact, last week we took a moment and we stopped. And across all 10 of our sites, we spoke about the freedom of giving. So we had a, a little interjection on finances. But if we just recap a little bit about the story in Acts chapter 20... Um, there's this chap named Paul and he is traveling to Jerusalem and he stops, he catches the bus, uh, he catches the boat and he stops in a, in, a, in a little town called Miletus and then he calls on the uh, elders in Ephesus. Now the interesting thing is, is like we've stopped at that little moment in this book and we said, Paul sends a message to the guys in Miletus, uh, in Ephesus, and he says, hey, would you come and see me? It's the only time in the book of Acts that we see a reference to Paul speaking specifically to elders. And so now, over these three Sundays, I hope that you get one thing, is the heart that we have as elders in the life of this church to speak the truth, the biblical truth of who elders are and what they're supposed to do. And then this would be the third of those three Sundays. This idea of eldership is a biblical idea. It's not a good Marcus idea. I know he has many good ideas, but eldership is a God idea. It's a biblical idea. And so as elders in the life of this church, we want you to understand what we understand our role to be just from the Bible. And you know, if you were called to some form of eldership, Maybe that's in your future. <laughs> many in this room who are elders and many who have left on their journey would have said, never. <laughs> no, thank you. Not for me. And God turned their lives around. If you're new to Cornerstone Church, um, then eldership and the whole leadership structure of who we are as a church is explained at least once a term. We get together and we spend four or five weeks together and we go through the booklet where we describe the DNA of who Cornerstone is. And so if you're very new to Cornerstone Church, find yourself in that. If you're new to Cornerstone Church and you've had other church experiences, then understanding what an elder is can be quite weird. Um, 
it's good to understand how we think eldership or leadership in the local church needs to be. And so can I just say, elders are not untouchable. In fact, we don't walk around with little special clothing or attire. We're like, ah, oh, there goes the elder. You can feel the aroma or the aura. We're not untouchable. You don't have to make an appointment at least six weeks in advance to see us. We don't have special people that each elder has a personal assistant that carries our Bible if we've got a paper Bible and guides us through the crowd, you know, as we find our way to our seats. We don't have special seats in the front with fancy adornments to say, well, these are the special elders of the church. We sit in the front mostly for the sake of function. When there's ministry, we want to be able to get to you quickly. And when the elders pray for you, you don't have to pay something special. You don't have to be like, yeah, I must remember, I must pay extra on my tithe this month because the elder prayed for me. We understand very clearly that eldership is a function, not a title. But we are unafraid to lead. It's a call of God on our lives. You're not, elders are not part of some multi-layered hierarchy. If you, if you pop around to DNA, we'll explain different leadership structures. And if you are in the corporate world, then hierarchy is very easy for you to understand. You start here and you work your way up. And you don't speak to so-and-so if you haven't spoken to so-and-so. And the, it just goes on and on and up and up and up and up. As elders in the life of the church, we want you to know that we're totally accessible. And we're really trusting that by spending significant time in this, this little chapter of uh, Acts chapter 20, that um, you'll grab something of a heart of what it means to be a leader in this church. And maybe, just maybe, there's something that you would grab out of this. In fact, leadership is in all of our lives. Some of you are already in leadership, and these principles that we go through today, you can very easily apply in all areas, in your family, uh, in society, in your working environment. You could. I think God has much to say to you today. If you walk out of here thinking or understanding one thing, please, God loves you and he has a plan for your life. If you're going to get stuck into leadership, you must know that the very first thing that you've got to do is self-leadership. Unless you get out of bed in the morning, you're going nowhere. You've got to know why you get out of bed and you know people that are supposed to be here in this room but are not because they're not getting out of bed. They've lost focus. Their self-leadership has gone awry. So you can't lead in any context. You know, your boss at work can't lead if there's no self-leadership. You can't lead if there's no self-leadership. And so I was thinking, you know, should we make such a big thing about self-leadership? And so there are three things on screen that I would just point out to you. One, you need to be aware. Aware of who you are and what's expected of you. And then the scriptures say these things. And if you don't know these verses, gosh, would you make a note? Romans 3.23 says what? Do you remember? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I understand. I know. I was a sinner. The Bible explains it very clearly to me. I've sinned and I fall short of the glory of God. 1 John 1 verse 9 says... If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive you your sin. Gosh, doesn't that just settle so much? I am aware that God speaks this life into me. 
2 Corinthians 5, 17. You've got to know this one. You guys are so quiet. I hope you're making notes. You've got some studying to do. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, a new creation. The old has gone and what? The new has come. If you knew Gary t- three years ago, you would, there's like a little category called Skabenga. It would be there. God has grabbed this man's heart. God has grabbed your heart and you are no longer the same person you used to be. You are a brand new creation. Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There are people in this room that are walking around still feeling like you're worthless and you're nothing because Satan has lied to you, your family is lying to you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, you're a brand new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You are aware of these scriptures and they're stuck in your head. In fact, oops, there goes my glasses. My, my thinking was, is like the gap, if, if it can just move one, if I can keep it in my heart, when my head goes all moggy on me, then it's just one foot, right? It's just one, it's not very far for me to go. And so when I ask you about these scriptures, You've got to know them. You've got to know them because God's word is life. The second thing about self-leadership is learning. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. Like, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm just, I, it's, I wake up in the morning and it's pro neutro or wheat bix or toast. And then what? Seek first the kingdom of God. You need to be learning. You need to, write, you need to read the Bible. You need to study it. And when God speaks, you need to keep your heart soft. In fact, even this morning, if I said nothing this morning, my heart says God has been speaking. But is your heart soft? Or are you here to just watch the show? I can't wait. I hope he's done by half past. I'll try. What about Ownership. Ownership is key in self-leadership. You talk to God. You don't have to pray through somebody. You can talk to Jesus. You spend time with God. You prioritize your life around the call that Jesus has on your heart, on your life. And you obey the word of God. Who's responsible for your spiritual development? The elders in the church. They have to preach they better do a good job. You're responsible for your own spiritual well-being. We're part of a community. And in this community, I'm encouraging you, have you been obedient to the word of Jesus Christ? Have you been obedient to the word of God this week? Well, if you're not reading the Bible, no wonder. No, but I read the Bible on screen. They put it up. I don't have to bring my Bible to church. You know, the old days when Bibles were made out of paper, is to dust it off quickly, you know, before the pastor comes in <laughs> when he comes to visit, you know. You need to read the Bible. In Acts chapter 20, there's a record of Paul traveling. He's on his way with a whole bunch of friends, eight of them from uh, Europe and Asia, and he's making his way to Jerusalem. In fact, he's trying to get there before Pentecost. 
And as all good transporters, they stop along the way and they stop at this town called Miletus. And then he sends this message to the uh, elders in Ephesus. And so I'm going to go through eight little topics, eight points that I'd like you to make note of in terms of leadership. And just if it's possible for you, like we're, we're looking at elders and uh, you know the, the, the cool thing about leadership, if any of you are in leadership in any capacity, you know everybody hates the boss, right? Well, the boss this and the boss that and he made me come in a minute early or he made me stay a minute late, he didn't let me do my tea time. And you know, the label law says, <laughs> we're always standing on our entitlements. And Paul arrives in Miletus and he sends a message to the, the elders in Ephesus. And he says, come and see me. I wonder how he did that. Send a quick WhatsApp, say, hey bro, don't you wanna get the guys together, pull in, they must have their own little special Miletus WhatsApp group or maybe Ephesus WhatsApp group and calls them. Now, if it's true, and it probably is, because the source of this document is good, Ephesus is not where Bedford Center is. It was like 72 kilometers away. <laughs> so if Marcus arrives in Pretoria and he says, hey guys, I've come to visit, why don't you guys come and see me? I'm like, yeah, bro. I'll just phone you. <laughs> we'll put you on a WhatsApp call, even if we make it a Zoom. It's a bit far to walk. I don't know if any of you like running or hiking, you know that 72 kilometers, even if it's slack packing, is gonna take you some time. But yet these guys, they pull their finances together. The church there sends them on their way. You as elders go and see Paul. We're very excited. Paul invested in that church in, in Ephesus. And he sends him on the way. Those elders demonstrated commitments to Paul. Paul, the second point, Paul sets an example. You know, um, and we're gonna, I'm going to read you a whole bunch of, of that passage in a second. But in this example, um, he demonstrates that leaders set an example, even when the circumstances are not great. It's such a reminder that trials and tears are more common than we'd like to admit. Are you struggling through something today? You're like, well, God doesn't love me because, I don't know, I'm struggling with this. This happened. I failed my learner's license again. God doesn't love me because my family turns against me. I don't know, what are you struggling with? Is there sickness in your life? Is there financial challenge? What are you struggling with? Let's read this little passage. Verse 18 says, And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and, and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Gosh, man. This man, Paul, is telling them how much he struggled. <laughs> I mean, we read over it so quickly sometimes, but if you just take a moment to hear what he's saying, is there were some struggles in his life, and yet he kept his focus. What an example. In 1 Corinthians, he says, you must be imitators of me as I follow Christ. Those that follow you, 
Could they follow you because you're following Christ? What is, your, what is the example that you set at home? Because when you come here, you're all dressed up nicely. Look at my nice shirt. I've got my nice smile. Can you follow me because I'm following Christ? Now there is a good leader in any sphere of your life. At work, at home, in community. Leaders also minister the word of God, number three. And here we're going to dig into the passage, so we're going to read a whole bunch here, and then I'll expound that just a little bit. So let's do this. Let's dive in. Verse 20 says, You know how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of the repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 24 says, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Gosh, if we're gonna highlight a verse today, it's verse 24. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of all the blood of all. For I did not shrink back or did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It's through the ministry of God, not our own ideas, that the church of Jesus Christ is built up. It's through the ministry of his word, which is kind of what we're doing here right now. It would be nice if I brought some topical, like motivational speak. And I said, hey guys, let me f- say these five things when you get home. Look in the mirror and say, hey you, you got this. Hey gorgeous. You got this. That doesn't build up the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, as you walk out the room, you're probably gonna be like, all deflated again because your focus is wrong. The ministry of the word happens, I don't know if you saw it, it says it happens in homes and in public gatherings. It sounds like life groups in the life of Cornerstone Church. This ministry of the word happens in life groups. And if you're in a life group, then you know that smaller context, it was difficult to walk through the front door the first time. But as soon as you walk through the front door, you'll be like, oh, these guys are just like me. As soon as you walk through the front, you'll be like, oh, but they're working through the same stuff as me. And in public gatherings like this, these, in in the sense of our local church, are big moments. We get to celebrate together. In fact, we get to worship Jesus together. There's one reason we get together to meet on a Sunday morning, and that's to praise and worship Jesus Christ. Your heart is soft because at some point in this meeting, we're gonna present the word of God to you and present the Bible to you, and there's gonna be a truth that you are going to take home with you. If your heart is not soft, you're taking nothing home with you. Then this was just a 
a waste of your morning. But God is speaking. I love the fact that God speaks through his word. The ministry of the word is centered on the gospel and relationship with and faith in Jesus Christ. You know, outside of Jesus, if we say that the whole you got you thing, or you got this, and we're kind of encouraging each other, and it's not focused on Jesus, the foundation on which all of those thoughts are, they start to crumble. The ministry of the word is based on the whole counsel of God, not just your favorite bits. Now, some people in the room, they love the whole Revelation story. It's such a scary thing and hardly anybody reads it. But if you've been reading Revelation or watching YouTube, in fact, you should watch my YouTube channel because I've got a whole series of talks about the end times. Okay, I don't. But if, if I did, then that would be my favorite topic. Or what about grace? Grace is such a thing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. God loves you. You don't have to obey God. Don't wake up early. Please don't wake up early. When you wake up, you wake up. You know, like don't read the Bible. It's so tiring and boring. And when you read the Old Testament, it's so like long. And sometimes these chapters, there's, there's more than five verses in a chapter. And you know how long that's going to take you to read. It's the whole counsel of God. You need forgiveness. Jesus paid the price for your forgiveness. Jesus paid the price where you could have hope. And if he gives you hope and you've accepted Christ in your life, then let me tell you something. Then this little story about the man called Paul should speak volumes to you. This man had his focus fixed on Jesus. The other thing about is that um, it, the, the ministry of the word protects us from fierce wolves. Now there's lots of picture language in the Bible and one of the, the things that's, that, that scream out, if, if I said fierce wolves to you in a, in a family argument, you would say I'm being dramatic. <laughs> Stop being so dramatic. Who's these fierce wolves you're talking about? I don't know if any of you have got young children and the young kids say to you, Dad, what does a criminal look like? What does a bad man look like? I'll just look in the mirror. He looks just like me. Not that I'm a bad man, but he looks just like you. People out there making bad decisions look just like this. What comes out of their mouth, the fruits of their heart, is what they're spending their time in. Some cause-driven little deception. They're like, ah, you know what? I'm going to try to get people to like what I say. Don't worry about the church. This is, in fact, this is a great fishing ground because there's so many people here. I'm going to sell my ways. I'm going to sell my cause-driven initiative. I want, I want to sell what's going on in my heart to you guys. So if I get a little like, group together, then you guys can follow me. We can actually add a little bit of law to this whole thing. We can start following the Old Testament law, you know? It's difficult to believe that Paul would say amongst yourselves, gosh, no, dude, you spent three years building this place. Amongst yourselves, people will rise up and they would want to bring people. You know, the guys in Ephesus, they were making <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot about much, but they were after money. <laughs> there was a whole bunch of people making religion into a money-making record. Does that sound familiar? Just a little. The ministry of the word is able to build us up and to give us inheritance. Can I tell you a little secret? 
Read the book of Hebrews. Jesus Christ, your Savior, is going out of his way to make sure that you have an inheritance in heaven one day. Jesus Christ, your Savior. So if I was to do this and I step onto this carpet, now I'm a Christian. Now I sit on my hands. I've arrived. There's nothing more to do. There's no maturing. I've arrived. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to pray. In fact, if I come to church early, I can just stand in that little lounge at half past eight and we'll pray together. I can listen to other prayers. I don't have to be engaged. Jesus is setting you up for an inheritance. Why? Because he wants you to be blessed. There's an inheritance here and there's an inheritance in heaven. And please let me tell you, God has got you to do good works. He wants you to make a difference in this world. Why? Because he loves you. Because while you've got breath in your lungs, God's got a purpose for you. All right, the fourth one, leaders are led by the Spirit. Now, this is a tricky one. If you read through the scriptures, as you see, Paul is saying, I'm heading towards Jerusalem, right? But he's a bit stubborn. Do you know anybody that's stubborn? It's like, the Holy Spirit has said to me, I've got to go to Jerusalem. And every town I go to, they're telling me that I'm going to land up in chains or the some sort of uh, punishment or inflict, uh, like challenge waits me there. But Jesus has spoken to him. Now, I know in the council of many, there's, some, there's wisdom. But if you come to the elders and you be like, oh, God says, <laughs> we're done. But if you come to us and say, you know, something's stirring in my heart. Would you walk a journey with me? Help me work this thing out. God's starting to speak. Help me understand. Well, then we walk a journey with you. That's what elders love to do. We love you guys. We'll make time for you. Being full of the Spirit and being led by the Spirit, just like Jesus was. And the fifth one, and this is where I'll park, is leaders are prepared to pay the price. Now, if you are not a leader in the life of anywhere else, you need to lead yourself. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price? It's tough, bro. If there's anybody in this room that is studying, you know there's a price price to pay. If there's any anyone in this room that is like physically active or you're an athlete of some sort, you know that you don't just walk into marathon day and be like, yeah, let's do this. Unless you're 18 and yeah, those years are gone. But like, you know that you have to, have to pay the price. There is a, pi- a price to pay. And in Verse 24 says, I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish the course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. If you are a Christian today, it's because God has had grace on you. He has poured his life over you. He has poured his grace over you. I hope you are awake this morning. Your life, if it's not being lived out for the glory of Jesus Christ, is actually going to land up, you're going to fall off the stage, and you're going to fall flat on your face. Because it is going nowhere. Whether you're a, like a multinational leader, or you're, you're some fancy community leader, it's going to go nowhere. Oh, you don't know me. I give so much money to charity. I'm happy for you. 
You don't know me. My parents got divorced when I was six. You don't know me. My father was abusive. You don't know me. My mother left me, which is why I am the way I am. All due respect, everybody, please hear my heart. God has got a call on your life, and when you become a new creation, you become a new creation. This thing that happened in Gary's farm, when the father gives his life to Jesus and the next day his son gives his life to Jesus, it's like we had a word last week, I think about the, no, I forget where it was, where the, the, the fruit is low hanging and it's ripe. I think both Jill and Kim were saying something the other day and it's just like, sure, man. Even before Joseph finished talking, this guy's got his hand up, I wanna give my life to Jesus and I'm like, Sure, man, you don't have to say anything. God's speaking. What is he doing with his life today? Well, he did this. He took a step. Now he must walk. He's just a baby, right? But by God's grace, he's gonna grow up. By God's grace, he's gonna wake up every morning. He's gonna take a deep breath and he's gonna be like, ah, Lord, thank you for your love. I wonder if you'd be willing to pay the price that comes with being a Christian. Number six, leadership is about shepherding and exercising oversight. Just like Jesus did, Paul uses this analogy of the flock. Now, I struggled with this, can I just be honest? Am I allowed to say this in church? I don't like being called a sheep. (laughs) With my little prideful self, I mean, like, stop being so derogatory towards me. I know I struggle with uh, what it means to be a man, but I'm not a sheep. But the picture that is created here that Jesus says, I am the shepherd, you are my sheep, is one that I just didn't get. Jesus loves you. He has a purpose for you. And if you don't know Jesus here today, I want to tell you that today is the day. Jesus had a heart of compassion. And his heart of compassion drove him to pay the price. And we don't get it. I say this every now and then. Like uh, me and my English culture, we don't get what it means to sacrifice. We don't understand slaughtering. And the Bible's loaded with this stuff. But just spend a bit of time in the Bible and you get it. There's a price to pay. And Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth and he gave his life for you. This price was the shedding of blood. It says in the Bible that there can be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And that blood was shed. So therefore, I'm allowed to step into this new space and I'm allowed to be a brand new person. I'm allowed to have hope. You can be the sunflower in the room. You don't have to drink the lemon juice every morning. You are the sunflower in the room. You know why? Because you are a new creation. Jesus loves you. And because you know Jesus loves you, there is a hope. There is a hope to tackle today. We have a little joke in the office. Shimon God, so every time she, she leaves, we'll try again tomorrow. High five. A little joke. If we keep our focus on all that God has got for us, we will keep trying. Number seven is leaders demonstrate financial godliness. Now finances in the life of any leader are gonna be a challenge. I, I'm telling you that as elders, we commit not to be lovers of money. Let me set you free. We commit to not be lovers of money. 
I want you to realize that comparison in this, in fact, in any day and age, all the way back to, like, you can, just comparison kills you. Like, I don't know if the shirt's actually going to, they're going to laugh at me. The car drive. The, I, I can't invite people over to my house because all, all we've got is mince and rice. So hospitality, reaching out, it's just, it doesn't happen. I, I'm not going to go to that life group. I'm not going to get involved in the life of the church. You know why? Because they're going to think I'm funny. Well, not funny, ha-ha, funny, weird. God knows you, and just look around the room. And Gary himself will admit that he's a nobody. And God took him from wanting to kill somebody up on a ridge one day and grabbed his heart and said, hey, my boy, come to me. It's one example of a life changed. Finances will always test the heart. In fact, giving, as you heard last week, generosity is going to test your heart. May we be generous people. And then the eighth point is leaders value relationships. You know, it's so easy to look at this passage and say, Paul, the senior bishop apostle, says to the Ephesians, uh, the elders in Ephesus, and say, hey, report. And they're like, oh no, the big boss has spoken, you know? The Makula boss, let's go. It was because of relationship. It's not just a functional title. It's not just pure function. The leaders in this church, it's not just pure function. Do what I tell you or else. I don't know if you've lived, lived under any of that. Do what I tell you or else. We, don't look, no, we live with relationship. We walk a road together. It is through relationship and with relationship that we are partnering for the gospel in this city called Johannesburg and more. This ministry that we're part of, this ministry that you're part of, is motivated by genuine love. I believe that God loves you. I believe that God has got a purpose for you. And I believe that more people than give than will care to admit are called to a leadership role today. This leadership role, you don't have to be head girl. You don't have to be senior supervisor or senior senior supervisor. Whatever the hierarchy looks like. You don't have to be any of those guys. God has called you to be men and women of influence in this city. And you know how you influence them? With the words you speak, with the way you act, with the way you're generous, the way you invite people in, the way you say, can I pray for you? I'm sorry, I know, I know this is weird, I know it's open plan, but you're struggling with something, please can I pray for you? And then those prayers of faith, the prayers of a righteous person avail much. I'm asking you, would you believe me? Little old me, God loves you and he's got a plan for your life. He's put you here. The reason you have breath is God's fault. The reason you're in Joburg is God's idea. The reason you're part of Cornerstone is he called you here. Now, I'm gonna ask you to stand in a few seconds and that standing is gonna represent partnership. That standing is gonna represent a declaration that God, you've got a call on my life. And if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, I'm gonna invite you to say, today is a new day. I wanna be that new creation. I actually want to have purpose in my life. Please, Jesus. So we're gonna stand, and if it's you, that you wanna accept Christ into your life, I want you to stand and put your hand up so I can see, but I know that if I say, hey, who needs to respond to this word? I'm gonna go through a whole list of people. In fact, 
we're all going to stand. <laughs> we say, God, would you help us? Marcus uses it often. God, help us. God, help me. I know that without God, without my focus, without me dealing with my everyday challenges and everyday trials, because honestly, when I'm tired and hungry, ooh, that's a bad moment. I don't know what you struggle with. Maybe just wake up grumpy. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to take control. Ask God to fill you, even today, as we stand. This, this opening of your heart, ask God. Come in, Lord. Now, this little sermon might end quite abruptly. But I'm asking you to just think for a second. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to give you a couple seconds before we pray. Would you stand? If you need to accept Jesus this morning, if that decision has not been made, you're standing. I'm going to ask you to be brave and put your hand up so I can see it. This is the day that you become new. There you go. How exciting is that? Sure. I saw this happen on the farm. I'm seeing it happening is here. Is Jesus loves you. He has a plan for your life. I wonder if there's one or two deacons. John, are they right behind you? Would you pray for them while we, while we pray? Close your eyes for a second. What is it that you need to admit to God today? What is it that you need to realign today? Is it your awareness? Is it your learning? Is it your obedience? How are you going to respond to Jesus today? Jesus, we come before you. I thank you, Jesus, that you know every single name in this room. You know every single family represented by every single person in this room. Whether they're in this country or not, you know them. I thank you, Jesus, that we can commit ourselves and our family to you. May we not count our life of any value or as precious to ourselves. If only we, God, may finish this course and the ministry that we've received from you, Jesus, so that we may testify to the gospel of the grace of God. May our lives count for you, Jesus. May our lives count for you. What a privilege, Jesus, to be called out of darkness into your light. May we be, as that song says, planet shakers. May we be influencers in the rightful. May we be influencers and bring your word. Bring scriptures to our heart, Lord, because we're reading them. We can encourage those in our office, Lord, and along the streets. We can encourage them because we know your scriptures, Lord. We can say, oh, this morning I read. Last night I read. Yesterday I read. Here's an encouraging scripture. Have hope in God even when times are tough. God, you are sovereign and you're above all. I want to ask you that today, as a church, we stand before you with our, with our eyes focused upward and our hearts open, that you, Lord, would speak. You would fill us, Holy Spirit. That we, God, would bless you. We'd run the race. We'd stick to the course. 
and we'd build this ministry that you've called us to be part of. Bless your wonderful name, Jesus. And we all said, Amen. Amen.